Generative AI has created the kind of hype cycle that we haven't seen since probably the dot-com bubble. And like the internet itself, AI is expected to infiltrate every aspect of our lives. You've heard the predictions. AI is going to do 80% of all the jobs we know of today, and our collective human machine knowledge is going to increase a billion-fold over the next 25 years. AI seems to have started to mature faster than anyone would have expected. Just a year after ChatGPT went viral, OpenAI's developer conference showed us that now anybody can create their own GPTs. They announced their app store for GPTs and their turbo edition of GPT-4. Meanwhile, not to be outdone, Elon Musk unveiled Grok AI, complete with his fun mode, and as all of this is happening, the window for finding the next big thing in AI might be closing. The big companies are all doubling down. Uh, Facebook, Google, Apple, Amazon. The question, though, which stocks are we going to look back on in five years wishing we had doubled down? Today on Dumb Money, why now might be the last chance to bet on AI stocks. This is Dumb Money Live. Hey there, Dave here, along with Chris and Jordan. We are Dumb Money. Welcome to Dumb Money Live. Companies pouring tons of money into AI from Amazon's Olympus, which is rumored to be twice as smart as the GPT-4 model, to X and Grok, even YouTube developing uh, AI that someday might make that like button obsolete. But until then, we do need you to do one thing. Take one second, smash the button. Just, just look for the thumb and smash it. We'll wait. And, and by the way, while, while we're waiting for everyone to get their likes in, if you know someone who uh, might like what we do here on Dumb Money, send them a link to this video. Tell them to subscribe. We are just 1,953 1, subscribers away from hitting 100K. So do your part as the Dumb Money community. Do your thing. Get your likes in and uh, get, get us up to that 100,000 mark on YouTube. Chris Jordan, good morning. Good to see your smiling faces this morning. Yeah, yeah, because you're at the beach still, dude. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Are, are you bored of beach life yet, or are you still loving it? No, I'm still loving it, although we are coming back um, at, at Thanksgiving, so I'm going to have nice. to uh, wean myself back into normal fall life because it's J basically the same weather here all the time. Come back and get some real Tex-Mex in, in Texas. The you know, I found I Tex-Mex is my thing, and I've actually done a really good job, I think, of finding Tex-Mex restaurants in uh, Baja, California, that that actually meet my needs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, hey, hey, Alia, we'll we'll talk about some of the other stocks we're at the end of the episode, but we want to focus on AI right now. I think, I think before we get into the AI picks, when you guys. I mean, listen, we, we were so early on AI. Remember when ChatGPT came out? I think, Dave, you were out of town, and I called Jordan, and we did like a Twitter Spaces the next day or something like that. And we just did a brainstorm session of, dude, we, ha we have a very small window. What are we buying? This is th th we need to, We need to get ahead of the hype cycle. And we decided that day that nvidia was the stock to get into and we went all in on nvidia and that really paid off and NVIDIA we did a show on that 
it, it's, yeah. you, you can go back and look at this one. You talk about your like conference call while I was out of town. We went, we, we put a, sh a show together. I, I can't remember exactly when that was, but go, go look back, Google when ChatGPT uh, came out and look for our, the show on that. Use ChatGPT to check that. But here's what's interesting. It has been, I don't know, six, seven months, right? And we're in a very different place. The initial round of the hype cycle has come and gone. In round one of ChatGPT, the, the, the exuberance, the, oh my, like, this is going to take over the world. There's going to be huge beneficiaries and companies that are going to get destroyed by this. Yeah. Like, the, I, th I think we've, just been, we've come to accept that AI is going to change everything. And we're now just kind of like, okay, we, we get it. It's, it's going to change everything. If, we were talking, Chris, earlier about this. It's kind of like when the internet first started and everybody was like, oh, this is going to change everything. And everyone's mind went to like mall.com as the future of the, the best thing that the internet could do would be to bring stores into one website called the internet mall where you could go to the gap and it, it, it made no sense. So I feel like wait, wait, Dave, we kind need to of there for, on for younger people that are watching the way that mall.com was actually constructed. They made it into a picture of like a mall like like a, of of an architect like what, what do you call it like a floor plan Just like of a, a mall. 3D rendering but not in 3D like like not in 3D like version two was going to be this like experience where you could like walk through a virtual yes. mall but the yes. original version was just like like that map you see the static map you see in an actual mall that's what it was and that's how you navigated was by by looking physically you on, click the map. on the stores. And you click on the stores, and then you it basically brought you to the store's website, and that was it, like an affiliate link. It was not even it was not even like high tech. It was not even integrated. It was not it, nothing yeah, about this. This is like a known. Uh, this is like a known uh, thing that happens with new user interfaces. They always try to copy something yeah. that is known, right? And then the interface, you know, it changes over time. It reminds me of when the automobile was introduced and people were afraid of it. And so they uh, actually had to strap a horse head to the front of it so that people would feel comfortable riding in it. <laughs> our our uh, shorts editor will be able to find a clip of that because I know it exists because, and that's going to be a uh, excellent uh, short. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. I think we have achieved w at least one thing in the last six months, which is critically important. And part of the reason why we're doing another show today, which is, would we all agree that AI is not the next 3D printer? It's not the next blockchain, meaning it's not an overhyped thing that we just we just miscalculated and it will be around, but it's actually not going to dominate. I think we can all agree that AI, just purely based on the uptake in 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 corporate um kind of enterprise adoption in terms of AI development, AI investment, how they're radically changing their entire future roadmaps to revolve around AI, that it is here to stay in a revolutionary way. This is happening. So now it's just a matter of getting serious about it before it actually happens. Because it's going to be a five-year rollout 
when we really see enterprise. I, I just part yeah. of the toolkit that every uh, development team is going to need to be able to utilize in some way, shape, or form. It's it's mature to the point to where most developers can interact with things, um, not have to, you know, totally understand what's going on, uh, but still be able to benefit whatever organization they're working for uh, by pulling that into the systems and then up and beyond from there. So. Jordan, question for you, because you're an engineer, you've architected, you know, systems for enterprise compared to something like blockchain, for example, which is was way hyped, way hyped. Would you agree that in just the first six months, the level of acceptance amongst developers like corporate enterprise generally in terms of yes, Yes, this is going to be a big part of what we're doing. We're on it. We're on it right now. We're putting teams on it. We're learning it. And the entire industry is adopting it. Would you agree that it's just there's no fear involved with this? It's like, yeah, this is happening. It's just a matter of how are we going about this um, in a much bigger way than, let's say, blockchain. I think, I think blockchain is the perfect example. Blockchain just had a very it. narrow use case, right? It's monetary. It's transactional. Um, this you know, AI is a totally different um, set of toolboxes and, and it lets you um, do some analysis you wouldn't have otherwise been able to do, um, especially with unstructured, semi-structured data, right? And so it's a, it's just another, it's just another toolbox that developers can use. Can I, can I call out, and, and this is the most exciting thing for AI before we kind of get into maybe AI stocks. You know, over the, I think it was a, a week ago, you know, Amazon runs two versions of their, I think it's Thursday night football. They run a normal version and then they run a version where they have like all this stuff happening over all this data overlaid over the game. And I guess there's an AI component now that they've worked into that. And this last week, it will circle a player if it thinks that player is going to blitz and rush the quarterback, okay? And it randomly circled a player that made absolutely no sense to one of the analysts who had spent years uh, kind of studying defensive schemes, and it made absolutely no sense why it would have circled this player, and they really couldn't figure it out. But out of nowhere this player unexpectedly rushed the quarterback. And it, there were all these videos that came out on it since. And it was like, based on all of the of the training models that the AI had access to, it somehow was able to identify something in the player, in the scheme, in something that made it realize it was going, that player was going to rush. This is, we're six months in, and we're watching NFL football with AI telling us how the play is going to unfold and it's blowing people's minds. This is not a use case that I was expecting when ChatGPT was released earlier this year. Um, I saw a, I went to a presentation at the Bush Library, Presidential Library here a couple months ago, and it was an AI. Uh, consortium where they invited Capital Factory invited I think like 10 or 12 of the top AI companies that are part 
uh, affiliated with Capital Factory, which is an early stage venture fund incubator that, that all three of us are involved with here in Texas. And one of the companies was an AI uh, rendering um, uh, like animation company for Hollywood. And I didn't realize that they are already working with essentially all of the Hollywood studios. And they showed us what they had produced. Uh, they actually showed us an episode of Paw Patrol, which we've covered on the show before many times. And they perfectly replicated the show Paw Patrol completely with AI scripting, AI animation, with virtually zero human um, involvement. And they're doing that for numerous animated shows right now. But a lot of the networks uh, and the studios are afraid to actually publish that because yeah, they, they, they you know wonder why the actors political. and writers were on strike. I mean, this is exactly it. Yes. They're yes. The computers yes. So, are getting as good at writing content as writers and the computers are good at as good at creating characters physical 3d actors as real people that's it's scary it's all the, happening behind the, the it's happening behind the scenes and they haven't released a lot of it to the public yet but i've seen it with my own eyes and i'm telling you it is perfect it is mind-blowingly good now will it work for every sort of entertainment immediately probably not is it coming for everything probably uh, you, you've seen even Disney used uh, AI for background characters. They got caught doing that, right? And they got a lot of uh, negative feedback in a, in a couple of their shows. So this is happening. But guys, what I'm trying to say here is I think we can all agree now that AI is going to deeply impact not just the obvious things that we were talking about six months ago, but it it looks like it's going to impact almost every single industry sector on earth. So you have two ways as an investor to try to play this. You can try to actually go out and figure out which companies are going to benefit most from the adoption of AI in their product mix, which ones will be harmed. The problem with that is it's, that's a really difficult exercise as an investor because the second that you see a company that's benefit, benefiting from AI, there could be a hundred others that could come in and disrupt that company's business model with duplicate versions of that because of the because it's now an AI they're utilizing AI and AI is more approachable it's it's more democratized okay for developers for companies to to use for, and for and, startup and companies you can spin up a startup company by writing the right prompt it is just it's gotten to the point where AI is so approachable so easy to use anybody can do it and it's going it, to, it comes up with the idea for the business and it builds the business and it launches the website and it sources the products and it, it, it does the service. It, it can be everything. And that's where it comes down to like, okay, are you going to invest in a bunch of these little companies that came out of nowhere? No, not me. I'm, I'm looking more at like the, the companies that are behind picks the and shovels. revolution. The, the picks and shovels. Regardless of which, how you want to approach this, the importance of today's episode is just a reminder for our community that now is the time. Now, everyone is going to have a lot of time off, hopefully have some time off during the holiday season. There are numerous papers, articles, perspectives on winners and losers, how AI is going to disrupt various industry categories. 
now is the time to go deep on research and to take to make those investments, uh, to put on some risk, not two years from now, probably not even a year from now. Like now is a great time if you miss that first wave. By the way, we're not financial advisors. We're just saying we feel this is a good time for us. And, you know, we hope that we're sparking some level of interest uh, for you guys to really do the homework this next month. Yeah, because I you don't want to miss out. You don't want to miss out on AI. No, like a year ago, we, we were we were right ahead of it and we were in the right companies, I think. And so that's that's why I think it's important to uh, talk now about what we've done since and what we're looking at and really engage the community and get involved on our Discord channel. Dawnmoney.tv slash Discord is how you can get into that. It's absolutely free. Nobody will ever ask you for money. And if they do, it's not real. Um, but yeah, it's it's about sharing ideas, sharing information, and finding that next big thing. You don't want to look back in a year or two years and go, God, that was so obvious. Why would I have not invested in XYZ based on this mega trend of AI? Right. That, that's all we're saying. So that said, I think we probably all have a slightly different approach uh, to this. I would, I think, you know, beyond the Nvidia, because Nvidia, when we did our last episode in AI, had already, it was already to the moon, and we were trying to figure out other other AI plays besides Nvidia, right? Yeah. So I don't want to talk too much about Nvidia today. One of the, I think the number one company we discussed, and Jordan, you were really hyped on this company. I, you got me really hyped in this company. I did a tremendous amount of research on them earlier in the year. And I felt like it was probably the, maybe not the most exciting AI trade, but probably the cleanest AI trade in terms of a picks and shovel AI trade. It was with a good valuation too. What? With a, with a decent investable valuation. Yeah, yeah, correct. It, it was like a, a, a low teens PE uh, super microcomputer, SMCI. Yeah. It's a stock that went nuts this week. By the way, we wanted to do this episode a couple days ago, but we had some scheduling conflict and we were going to talk about SMCI. Now SMCI is up like 20% in the last few days. But uh, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a recommendation to buy SMCI. What I think is fascinating about SMCI is they are basically a their server technology company uh, that incorporates all the bleeding edge AI chips into really uh, sophisticated, mostly liquid cooled server technology that is quite honestly perfectly positioned uh, for this type of um, this type of these type of AI chips that consume a tremendous amount of power uh, that require a different type of server infrastructure. So they are just you could think of them kind of as maybe a commoditized company, but with a tremendous amount of specialization now in this AI world. They were kind of one of the very first companies to go all in on server tech that would be customized for these specialized AI chipsets. So they work with NVIDIA, they work with AMD. Uh, they're even going to, they even have a server uh, platform for the new Intel AI chip that's coming out. They are far ahead of anyone else in that world. Uh, and you absolutely need 
that type of infrastructure, if you're Facebook, if you're Amazon, if you're Microsoft, you need this to deploy artificial intelligence at scale. So it's not super sexy, but man, have they had an insane year. I think they're going on 10 billion of revenue. The CEO is touting that he easily sees $20 billion of revenue in their future in the in the short to midterm. Now, there is competition. There will be more competition for this company. Uh, they will have to navigate the cycle of, of being short supply, right? Because they only make money when there's chipsets to be able to integrate into the server infrastructure that they produce. Uh, that's been a bit of an issue for them this last year. I think part of the reason why the stock is so hot right now is because there's now an influx of NVIDIA chips coming back to the U.S. where a lot where they, where they dominate, right? They are like they do most of the revenue. I think 70 percent of the revenue roughly is U.S. based. And now that all these chipsets are banned in China, NVIDIA has to bring them back to the U.S. is the theory. And by having more chipsets in the U.S., that means basically more business for super microcomputer uh, SMCI. So it's my kind of number one, just not sexy. I'm not going to like 10x my money on this one, right? But I, I told you, Jordan, I, I spent a million bucks on them last week. Think what timing. <laughs> because Jordan was nice <laughs> enough to remind me about them. And I you just went right out, bought a million rate. bucks. Of, and then, of course, they're up like 20%. So thank you, Jordan. You have really contributed to my gains this week. Uh, but that's kind of my number one base AI stock. I have a much sexier one I want to talk about. Uh, that I, I want to hear what you guys are doing first before I get into that. Jordan? Yeah, so mine's just spread out, right? So I've got some of about everything, right? I'm not trying to concentrate too much. Um, I'm being pretty cautious in the market in general right now. Um, I think things have gone a little bit nuts, especially with what we know, what's happening with the consumers. So, you know, I hate to be the dead horse, but um, I see, you know, I still see recession outlook early next year. And so I'm not going crazy, but I, but I still own... Um, just a little bit of NVIDIA, a little bit of Microsoft, all of the companies that will, you know, benefit, um, um, you know, from this trend. Um, I just don't know if now is the right time to totally pile into a bunch of AI stocks. It might be. Um, I'm not doing that right now. So, jo Jordan, let me, when you say, you mentioned Microsoft, and Microsoft is obviously <laughs> one of the biggest runners here. On AI, Dan. yeah, I mean, it's not like look, I'm not, I'm not going out and putting 10% of my portfolio into Microsoft, right? So let's not. Uh... <laughs> but, but what do you guys think about the Microsoft AI App Store? Not App Store, the AI Store that they announced this week, uh, this past open week. AI. So open AI is, <laughs> sure. I mean, so as far as generative AI, um, LLMs, they're the, you know, they're the Kleenex, right? They're the, they're the not only the best, but also the most well-known of any of them. And Microsoft has a pretty decent stake into OpenAI. And so... But, uh, but Jordan, you're working on multiple... I know you're working on, behind the scenes, mm -hmm. multiple projects right now, uh, developing some AI stuff. You're probably... 
the stuff that you're working on wouldn't be applicable for that AI store kind of ecosystem, but maybe some smaller products would like how explain to me, is it as big, can it be as big as the app store is for, for, for mobile apps, right? When, when Apple and Google release their app stores, is that how the AI kind of future is going to it's unfold? It's a different scale, I think, right? So, I mean, you're tar I mean, I, you know, I could be wrong, but it seems like the target demo for the, for this type of, application of other developers, right? So other developers are gonna use that app sort of then build things on top of um, these models that are coming out, right? And so, um, and again, I don't know exactly how all of the fees are structured, but if there are, you know, per use licenses sitting on top of some of these things, and yeah, maybe it could be huge once it hits mass scale and you have, you know, millions and millions of users on each model. I'm not 100% sure about that. So um, I don't wanna make any, claims based on what the size of it could be, but it's it's a different, it's just a totally different um, end user, yeah, right? Because the end user a... is developers, not. But what I want to ask you is, because everyone's looking at Microsoft as obviously the big beneficiary, but we have yeah. Amazon here. And mm -hmm. obviously Amazon is does not want to be left out of this. You're yeah. developing, I believe you're developing on top of Amazon still, right? Even though you're developing AI. Yeah, look, but so um, a lot of people will. And so I think, um, you know, a lot of times basic organizations have, um, you know, decided over the past decade, which cloud provider to go with. They've gone with Google or they've gone with Amazon. I feel like the majority have gone with Amazon. And so they've got a lot invested in infrastructure on Amazon, not only um, just that everything's there, but also the knowledge of how to interact with some of these things. And also the, um, you know, some of the products that Amazon has make using the Amazon um, ecosystem, the AWS ecosystem pretty easy to use. Um, but, you know, as far as if you're going to run OpenAI, you could have all your infrastructure at Amazon, but you're still making calls to, um, to Microsoft. Right. And so Microsoft's still getting, you know, the, you know, whatever you're paying open AI there, that's cloud fees. That's, you know, that's profit for open AI. That's all those things. Right. And so no matter what, no matter where you build your environment, if you're going to use open AI to build it, then you're still, you're still paying Microsoft. Even if you're, even if the rest of your infrastructure sits at AWS. And I, and I know that Amazon is trying to compete with OpenAI. They're behind the curve on that, but yeah. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll just see. So if they start releasing models, it really depends on what you're doing, right? Because you can, um, you know, you don't have to use OpenAI. You could use, you know, you could use Llama, right? And so if you're running Llama, then you could have that thing sitting entirely in AWS and use um, Amazon's GPUs. Um, or if you're using any other model that you've trained, then you could use Amazon's GPUs too. The biggest the, the biggest difference is that Amazon doesn't have that big, you know, um, ready to go LLM um, that Microsoft has. It's just yeah, sitting there. They're it's apparently like, it's working. One on. API call away to sit there and uh, be able to ask questions of. Yeah, they are working on it. I'll be curious right. if they can get enough scale and training data on theirs yeah. to be able to compete. The way I, I, I see it kind of like open AI 
was the first to release this like super easy to use platform to develop your own generative stuff using their generative backend, right? Kind of like AWS was very early in the, we're going to provide server space for people who need web hosting and databases, right? So I feel like OpenAI is kind of in the position where AWS was for that use case. And that's why, like if I could, I, I, I've not really invested in any pure play AI companies, but I definitely would have invested in OpenAI if it were public. And the best way to get exposure to that that I have found is through Microsoft, but it's right. clearly not pure play. Microsoft has Office and all this other stuff going on. Um, for me, my- but you're my, also integrating OpenAI into Microsoft Office too, right? And they're gonna start charging to have your Microsoft Office Copilot. And so that's starting exactly. to become ubiquitous in their products too. And so that's why like, I, I have not gone and looking for pure play AI, but I think Microsoft is a huge beneficiary. I think Amazon will be, I think Tesla is probably my biggest pure play AI. And they're a car company that isn't a car company, right? They're gonna have the AI for self-driving and the AI for uh, autonomous uh, robo taxis, if that ever happens. And I think they're yep, humanoid AI. I think like, all of the stuff that they're doing is, is so AI centric, but it's not a pure play AI. Well, we also have, you know, Microsoft announced that they now have their own AI chip to compete with Nvidia. Um, we know that Amazon, I believe, is working on chips. Facebook is working on chips. So there, you know, there is risk there on on the chips. I I don't know how all that unfolds. But I think AMD AMD has got a chip um, that they're um, either working on, or I don't know if it's out um, being used yet or not. I take it all back to SMCI because I truly believe that. You know, it's not sexy, but yeah. SMCI kind of benefits in all of those situations, right? No matter yeah, what. SMCI benefits. The other one that benefits is TMC. So TMC is another play. I'm not in TMC right now. I really want to be in TMC. Um, so here's the problem with produce TMC. all of these AI chips. They produce all of Apple's chips. They produce um, NVIDIA's chips. Yes, but they produce like all the chips basically. And so the problem, Jordan, is even if the AI component get, becomes much larger, there's there's still a risk component to the overall economy and there is, all the yeah, other billions right. of chips. And so producing, T TNC right? is very they're they're exposed to the macroeconomic environment. They're not necessarily a pure play, but you know their biggest areas of growth and their highest margin products are going to be in the AI space. So I, I want to talk about part of the due diligence process. Again, this episode is not really about our stock picks, but about you guys all doing your own research. Um, when you go through this process, I spent a tremendous amount of time on John Deere. Uh, for those of you all that aren't aware, John Deere has actually been working on AI for well over a decade, a uh, decade and a half. It's just unreal how technology forward that company is. And I look at a company like John Deere and I think now this is an interesting AI play because they're essentially converting all of their farm equipment, all of it over to become autonomous equipment. They have now an autonomous tractor. It's been out for a year. There's no driver. 
It literally does everything so precisely. You've seen probably some of the videos on TikTok of their um, anti-weed uh, computer vision uh, technology that can identify the difference between a weed and actual productive agriculture. And it only injects, uh, you know, you know, chemicals on that very one small portion of the land that that needs it. Also, they're tilling land in such a way now that they're actually able to improve it over time with technology and constant monitoring. And they're, they're essentially creating the farms of the future. And this is going to be a multi-decade process that will deeply benefit John Deere as it makes more sense to spend money on equipment rather than spending money on people because less people are living in rural areas and it's becoming more and more expensive to hire people to work on farms, especially because they work on farms seasonally, right? So that said, there's a huge negative to that story, which is AI is incredibly important to John Deere. I think it's going to future, fuel most of its future growth, but we are in a massively high interest rate environment, right? We're heading into a recession and it has become unbelievably expensive to finance this farm equipment. So this, in this, for the same reason that InMode, another company we're really hot on earlier this year, completely fell apart because physicians and people that work in skincare can no longer afford to finance a $120,000 piece of equipment from InMode at 8% interest when it was 1% interest a year or two, two ago. Uh, that farm equipment has gotten a lot more expensive. And again, in a recessionary environment, there are things happening at John Deere that might be way more important and impactful on the company than the future of how AI is going to benefit that company. So as we do our research, you cannot do it in a vacuum, okay? So even if you believe AI is going to be instrumental for a company, what else is happening at that company, right? Are there things happening to that company because of the macro environment, because of the economy, um, anything else that is more important than the impact that AI will have? So, you, you know, the chip company you just talked about, Jordan, that's that's possibly a reason not to eat, just invest based on AI, right? You're talking about, uh, you're still talking about deer here? The, no, no, no. Um, well, yes. Have you, by the way, just as a little aside, have you seen some of the farm tech that, that's come out using AI? Where yes. they, it's amazing. So they'll have like, they'll have these machines that are going over the ground and they can target like weeds or whatever. I just said that, yeah, like yeah. It's, it's insane. It, it, but but Jordan, I, I've spent hours studying John Deere because at, at one point I thought it was going to become a high conviction AI trade. And it's it's not just that, Jordan. They have databases and they're essentially digitizing or want to digitize every farm in the world so that right. every millimeter of land on that farm they understand what the soil looks like, how to make the soil better over time, how to treat the soil of this square foot of land differently 
from a square foot of land that's 100 yards away. They know how to move from this patch of land to this patch of land. And by the way, they're operating 24 hours a day, theoretically, with no humans on any machine ever again, right? Because it's all being done digitally, remotely from an app that they designed. It's absolutely wild. But again, is this the right time? That company has tripled in value over the past few years. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. John, John Deere is crazy expensive right now, um, historically. And you're coming into a recession. We just had, I was looking at the chats. There's a farmer that's talking about, you know, John Deere. And it just reminds me that, you know, everything that I read about actual farmers using John Deere, they're, you know, and again, these might be, these might not 100% be true, but that, uh, you know, you have to, you've got to pay the the piper. You got to pay John Deere for every little thing that goes wrong with these tractors. And it cuts in to your operating margin as a farmer, right? Just the fees that they charge. And so is this something that farmers are going to push back on because they already see that they're spending too much money with John Deere? Um, or is it something well, that they're going to see as a productivity boom? I mean, they're farmers, right? So obviously they're going to likely push back and be skeptical about something this big, but this is not something that happens over a few years. It's something that happens over a few decades. And John Deere started work on this in the late 90s, believe it or not. So they've been yeah. on this mission for a very long time. They acquired an AI company in 2017. They have hundreds and hundreds of data scientists working at John Deere. This is the entire future of the company. And I think with their ability to, to bring a farm into a much more productive and efficient place and actually dramatically increase the productivity of every square foot of land on that farm and reduce their cost. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. I just a matter of how long it takes for that to happen. But again, there are things that are terrible for John Deere right now, including the high interest rate environment because farmers have to finance all this equipment. So, I'm not, well, and the, I'm the, not the, and the equipment is at all time highs as far as price. So you get very high price, very high financing, and also, but you get um, very you know, high like, like people are talking about right Jordan. to repair issues that, that are going on with the with the year as well. But Jordan, you also get really high subsidies, and they're also moving towards electrified equipment as well. So it's not just autonomous. It's electrified autonomous equipment. Again, I don't want to talk too much about John Deere because I didn't buy the stock because of other factors. What this is really about is not doing your research in a vacuum and yeah. really making sure that you're assessing every factor that goes into you know, a, a company's you know, potential revenue generation. So you have to look at everything. It's not just AI. SMCI, I feel like a big chunk of it, AI is the driving factor, which is why I'm comfortable having such a big position. And, um, I'll just I'll just say it. My my sexier AI trade, it's not a surprise. We've talked about this a few times over the past year. I I love Tesla and it has nothing to do with cars. I I think it's inevitable that the humanoids will come. Uh I think Tesla, it's probably inevitable that Tesla will be a top three humanoid manufacturer, humanoid platform. If Elon doesn't do something crazy and screw it all up, and and I think that AI is a really really big part of that. Um, I think that hardware for humanoids, 
based on my channel checks has accelerated so quickly over the past two years. And we're one to two years away from the hardware prices getting to a point where we could have twenty-five to $35,000 humanoids at scale. And when you overlay any type of AI on top of that, much rather less Tesla's AI, which is excellent, I just think you have the perfect storm. And, and, and I was shocked when Elon said it. I didn't think Elon would have said this for at least another year or two. I was hoping he didn't say it, but he said it and no one listened to him. No one really cared. But I've been thinking it for the last year and a half. The humanoid business at Tesla will be meaningfully larger, meaningfully larger than the auto businesses at Tesla. And yes, agreed. I, I actually said that on this show, I think a year ago, and I, it sounded weird when I said it. And I almost regretted saying it's like, am I going to look like an idiot saying that humanoids are going to be way, way bigger than cars for Tesla? But I believe it, and I'm shocked that Elon already is talking about it, and he has insight into what's happening in their humanoid division. They are behind. They were behind at least a year ago from our humanoid company that we've been invested in. But it seems like they're catching up. I have no doubt they're going to catch up. And this is happening. People are like, oh, humanoids are like seven, eight years away. No, they're not. They're not seven, eight years away. Uh, it's coming in the next five years. Uh, our humanoid company is shipping their first half humanoid in February or March of 2024. What is that true? How do you know that? Did you get? Yeah, so, so they, they 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 disclose that they're they're shipping it to their first uh, industrial client, which is the company that does all the forklifts in every warehouse in the world. So it's a really dangerous job. And so they're basically taking the top half of our humanoid and they're attaching it to the forklifts so humans don't have to go up on forklifts anymore. The, the humanoid will do all the stuff, get the boxes, put the boxes on, the, on the, the forklift and safely bring it down. Now, they have uh, applications that are being tested with Amazon, with Walmart, with UPS for full-scale humanoids at the docking station. And I believe those deployments, I mean, they're testing them right now. I believe those deployments could be as soon as 2025. So humanoids are coming and they're coming quick. I think we're probably a year away from seeing like 60 minutes episodes on companies like ours that are deploying full blown humanoids at companies like UPS and Amazon. And that's when people will start to wake up to it. Amazon is obviously focused, excuse me, Amazon. Uh, Tesla is obviously focused on a much larger broad-based use case of humanoids like they want one to three in every home in the world right so it will take them a little bit longer i think to get their humanoids out i don't know if elon's talked about it i would think three to five years uh we could potentially see their humanoids out in the world but it's happening and that that will come sooner than you would believe guys and i'm investing in tesla now for AI-powered humanoids in three, let's call it three to five years. Yep. No, I'm absolutely with you. That is that is like half of my te Tesla thesis. I think that they are going to be the AI company that does just does something different. 
But you know, you know what I like about that, guys? I love, I love, love, love the barriers to entry in humanoid hardware. Okay. You can't just step into this world in four years and say, oh, I want to start producing 50 million or 500 million humanoids a year uh, to compete with Tesla. Nope, you cannot do that. The, the, it's, uh, there it's, are it's, major the actuators are too delicate to have any kind of control over over them, right? Uh, was it Boston Dynamics that has been making those incredible videos of of humanoids doing incredible things? But those are so choreographed. Those th those are trained to do one thing, and they are starting to uh, include you know vision and a little bit less of a pre scripted movement for them. But what Tesla is doing from the beginning is using vision and spatial awareness and tactile, like reactionary things to drive the logic in the robot. So the humanoid is going to be able to think, oh, what do I need to do? You've told me to change a light bulb. I know to change a light bulb. And they're, and they're able to pull in a lot of the, the data sets and the learning they're getting from their cars, right? And they're, they're able to adopt a lot of, adapt a lot of that into their humanoid program, which is fascinating. By, by the way, we are going to kick off, before the end of the year, uh, a Tesla humanoid series that we will do, I hope, at least once a month in perpetuity forever. So this is my biggest have investment have thesis. four humanoids in your house. We'll keep doing the series. It's my biggest investment thesis of the de next decade, I think, are these Tesla humanoids. And I'm a guy that never really cared that much about Tesla as a car company. Uh, I've always been invested in Tesla, but it never really got me excited. I'm super excited about this. This is so big. This is so important. This is like important enough for you to just drop everything and go, oh my God, I got I have to learn everything about this. I need to be one of the top experts in the world on humanoid technology and adoption and how quickly it's coming. Because I, I need to get ahead of this investment curve, whether it's Tesla, whether it's another company, you know, we made a very large investment in a private humanoid company years ago. This is everything, guys. I, I think this is maybe... This is maybe the killer uh, adoption of AI in a way that's defensible. In a way, this is what's so great about it. There's so many other adoptions of AI that are like, oh, this will blow your mind, like ChatGPT, like all this, all this just software tech. But you're like, it's insanely good, but there's no barrier to entry. So as good as it is, awesome for humanity, awesome for everybody, but there's no one company that can just completely dominate because you, you'll have a thousand competitors because of the nature of what AI is. Now, when you take AI and you start to bridge it into hardware, like farming equipment, John Deere is light years ahead. Now they have other issues though, which is why I'm not investing in John Deere. But again, when you do that with humanoid tech, it is, Huge barriers to entry, massive, massive barriers to entry. You cannot produce tens to hundreds of millions of humanoids a year without half a decade to a decade, decade of planning and infrastructure and manufacturing and access to massive amounts of capital. Tesla has all of these things. And I think the market is super underappreciating any of that from Tesla. They don't want to talk about it too much right now because it's early, but 
it's the future of the company. Anyway. Chris that, is now a Tesla really bull. This is exciting. Yeah, yeah that's my <laughs> uh, and 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 uh I don't I don't know what chips are going into the, the humanoids. I, I need to probably catch up with our our humanoid CEO and inquire a little bit more there. Cause I, I, I want to understand beyond just investing in Tesla or private humanoid company. There's not many. What components, what, what other companies would be beneficiaries of the humanoid revolution, right? If we're talking about hundreds of millions to potentially billions at some point of humanoids being produced, who are the beneficiaries there? There, ha there has to be a supply chain that will benefit in a really big way in about five to eight years. And we need to get ahead of that as well. That's all. All right. What else, Mike? Do we have any other uh, any other stocks we want to talk about? Uh, you know, like for me, not on the AI side, not really. Um, I'm looking at my notes. I know there's like dozens and dozens, uh, and I'd rather let the community do their own research on that stuff. Don't, are there don't any, like, I, I basically feel like I have a nice portfolio of companies that are the forefront of AI, right? They're going to be, they're the bigger companies. They're, they're going to be involved. Are there any smaller companies? Like it's, it's not a public company, but you, you saw that, that little wearable device, the AI talking, uh, laser projecting $700 thing you wear and talk to, yeah. and it sees what you're doing. Are there I, no, any, thank you. Are there you, human? It's called human. I think, right. Uh, humane. 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 Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. I saw the video. It was kind of cool. It was kind of creepy. I kind of uh, want one just, just to you know have you know, have it and try it and see what it's all about see if you actually use it i i feel like though anything that i need if i need to talk to a ai i should i can just talk to chat gpt or i can talk to siri or you know one of oh. the others oh i i do think one of the coolest applications of ai that could be really big uh take two would be maybe one of the biggest beneficiaries of this you know they've been working on grand theft auto the next iteration for like a decade now and everyone mm -hmm. keeps getting delayed i think it's coming out in like two years and the adoption of ai into uh non-human players in the game is i've seen some clips of it and i've spoken to some people that have tested it and it is supposedly unreal right so as you know when you're playing these games you have these uh these like just random computerized players that you're playing against and sometimes you're talking to them and they'll spit out like a pre-programmed line or if you're playing grand theft auto this you know you're literally talking to random people in the city right all the time but it's kind of cheesy because they're giving you like lines from a script that a coder put in now think about ai all the what is that going to do to gaming like to gaming, it's just absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah, I can just cre recreate in real time whatever, like just 
whatever someone should have written but never thought of, it will be able to come up with that within like we'll, parameters of, of the character that is is talking to you. That, yeah, it's, we'll, it's pretty we'll be, cool. it be, It's not about gaming. It's like full immersion, right? So it, you're kind of... Now it's truly the metaverse, this metaverse word that we've been using the last uh -oh. couple of years. Like, what does it mean? Where's the metaverse? What are you going to do in the metaverse? Everyone has always said it's always going to come back. I've seen, we already have had some uh, milking cat comments today. Sorry. <laughs> right. Everybody makes mistakes, okay? <laughs> All right. I'm not going to talk about, no, the, the, I'm not going to talk about my NF, my 10 to 12 months of, insanity that i went in deep into the nft craze it was fun by the way just degenerate <laughs> gambling and that's all yeah <laughs> dude the pandemic made us all a little crazy 2000 the money that i made in 2020 and early 21 made me a little crazy and i i yeah i don't want to talk about nfts in this episode because that'll be all another thing but I bought an NFT last night randomly. The first one I bought in like a year and a half. Like, what? I don't want to talk about it though. But it was cheap. It was very, very cheap. I don't know. I think you might be getting back into NFTs because you did text me. I, I'm just going to expose you now. You you did text me that the floor price of CryptoPunks is back over 100K now. Yeah, it is. Well, the thing is, I, I go in and I sell my NFTs. Like every month, I, I go sell another batch of like the ones that are left over. And last night when I was selling them, I came across uh, uh, one that I wanted to buy and I bought it. Anyway, that aside, getting back to gaming, this is the metaverse. Because when you're playing in a future version of Grand Theft Auto, which is coming out in a year and a half, and that could be a big trade for us at some point. You're now immersing yourself in a real metaverse with essentially humans that you can't even detect. They're AI, they're AI characters that you don't even have to do anything. You could just sit there and talk to them for for years. Uh, that is a game changer for video games, right? All of a sudden, instead of playing in a video game that kind of has a set structure to it of what has been programmed into the game, you now have characters that are reacting to you beating them up and you shooting them, begging for their life, right? Like trying to barter with you, trying to get you information that could help you in the game. Not that was programmed, but just that they have access to. That will yeah, kind of choose your own adventure. Mind. The story can unfold in whatever direction you have. And that is, that is, I, I'm not a gamer, but if games did that, I might have been more interested. But so Steve, at that point, though, where does that processing happen? Does it happen in the cloud, or does it, or do you bring it? You bring to it. the console, right? Is it mm -hmm. a new console refresh cycle? Uh, because you have to have a GPU to run your graphics, and you have to have a GPU to run the gameplay. Yeah, and some okay. of the processing could be done in the cloud, but some of it, the the more immediate stuff, you might want to do on device. So there's there's a whole new uh, use case for advanced chips in a in a. What, what what is a game uh, an Xbox format console? It's called console. Yeah, console. I don't know, but this could be one of the biggest areas for AI in the world. Video games, like no one's really talking enough about that because the game can unfold on its own. The story. Now 
can take new new a new direction that the game developers never even thought of because of you know AI. what Hollywood may not have thought of that the future of video games may be so realistic they look like movies and the gameplay may be so like you may just kind of push a character in a direction or another and let the drama unfold. Like you might be creating your own version of a movie by simply picking some characters, yeah, throwing them in a scene, picking right? from an so existing scene and yeah. like, good luck, Hollywood actors and writers. We're glad you negotiated uh, films because now we're making these interactive video game looking, but more real. Like imagine when a video game actually looks like it was shot on film. I think storytellers um, still need to tell stories. So we're not getting rid of movies, Dave. But I do agree that you could choose your own adventure in a game. Never go any hundred um, years from now. Are, are, like, so I went to NYU Film School. Do you think NYU sorry. Film School will exist in a hundred years? Yeah, probably. Yes, I think. Yes, I, I think so. I think there's still a medium where people look. People listen to stories. This is a way. This is a mode of communication that's been going on for thousands of years, by the way, um, that people tell and relate to stories. People convey information through stories. And so I think there's always going to be a medium to have a story told, right? And so I don't think that this is going to get rid of storytelling. But you um, know what that film is. There are only like seven story structures in the world. AI is Structures, gonna maybe, right? There's the still, you know, but still, maybe, maybe. But they're always adapted to the current day and time and how, um, you know, how, how the, you know, what we know about currently relates that story then um, to the current situations, right? AI, and so I think I know about what's going on currently. I, I, I don't think you're now we're talking, we're talking about simulations almost now, right? We're talking about right. basically <laughs> one jump, one jump further, and we're talking about Neuralink and our own simulation. I hope I pass away before Neuralink happens. Oh no, they're they're doing surgeries uh, this year or next. Yeah, I, I think Neuralink approved. is awesome. FDA has approved Neuralink for humans. I'm, I'm a path. It's. I'm it's gonna go ahead and tell you, I will never be Neuralinked. Neither will I. Unless it's required by the government, 1984 style. I think we're too old to be uh, really beneficiaries of Neuralink. Uh, yeah, but. The next generation or two, they're all going to be neurolinked. Yeah, it's going to be an episode of Black Mirror. I, I think the one thing we could agree about, like I said, we just went off on a tangent talking about <laughs> video games, simulation. Oh, we've been on for it, an hour. It, I think we uh, might need to wrap this up. We, 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 I need to say something really quick about my biggest trade of almost of the year, second biggest trade of the year, Celsius, but. Either way, I, I think we can all agree that AI now we know six months after our first episode, seven, eight months after our first episode in AI, it's here to stay. It's big. It, it, it's going to dominate essentially every industry sector in the world. And it, it's really difficult to kind of pick winners and losers right now. We shared our thoughts on where we're putting our money, but please don't mirror our trades. Our risk tolerance is different than yours. You guys might be way better at vetting this stuff out than we are. Let's collaborate in the Discord community and figure out the best AI trades, but do it now. Don't wait a year to figure out your AI trades. Like now is the time over the holiday season, 
figure out if you want in or don't and figure out where you're putting your money in AI. I, I will say this, guys, because Celsius is for those of y'all didn't read my Celsius thread, the first thread I've ever done on Twitter. I'd recommend going and looking at that from a couple weeks ago. Celsius uh, is a company I bought more of this week. Um, for those of y'all that aren't in Celsius, it's the energy drink company. We did an entire episode on it about a week ago, two weeks ago, something like two that. Weeks ago. They completely crushed earnings as I knew they would. They raised guidance as I knew they would. I think they raised guidance. And the, and the stock um, price fell through the floor. Yeah. So, and so, then recovered so and then the, fell the, through the floor some more. The the red flag that I've been discussing, and I've been discussing it a lot in Discord, on Twitter, and on Stock Twits, is the fact that you know 35-ish percent of the company is owned by two people. Uh, I think 25% of it's owned by one person who recently passed away and his estate has been in the process of liquidating that position over the past year. It, by my accounting, they have liquidated about 10.5 million shares, which is roughly half of the estate's position using options and forward contracts that- Is that pre uh, or post split? Didn't it split today? They split today, yeah. So, so yeah. these contracts come due next year, 25, and in 2026. So what's happening is you're seeing a massive amount of short selling. And I believe that the short selling are third parties who have acquired these forward contracts at much lower prices than where the stock is currently trading. And they're locking in their gains at current pricing as the stock had its run up the past few months. So I don't believe the stock is actually shorted. I believe the short interest is essentially locking in gains from parties that have a guarantee to acquire shares at lower prices over the next year to two years. Now, at some point, that is going to completely flush itself out and be done. And I think Celsius is meaningfully undervalued at today's price. So I bought more Celsius yesterday. I, you have to be really careful with Celsius in terms of short-term trading because the fluctuations of these traders that bought literally millions of shares, these institutions from the DeSantis estate, not the politician, another DeSantis in Florida, uh, th that's a massive amount of shares that have to work its way out onto the into the, the main market. Now, I'm hoping that Pepsi uh, was the company that acquired a lot of these contracts over the past few months. I hope that's a situation because they won't sell, but I don't know that. So there will be a headwind on the stock and it's hard to understand how it's going to react in the short term. So I'd be really careful with Celsius, but I increased my position. I'm in it for the long term. It's one of my largest holdings. It's a top three holding in my portfolio, along with SMCI. Um, I don't know what else. Amazon's Amazon. still pretty big. Amazon, so, Tesla. Yeah. So, so that, that that that's my view. And if you want up to date stuff on SMC uh, on Celsius, join the Discord. I'll talk about anytime I have something new. I'll talk about in the Discord and on my and on my Twitter, guys. All right. Perfect. I'm going to put that out there. One more quick reminder. We are so close to 100,000 subscribers on this channel. We know that you're already subscribed, right? We, If you're watching us right now, all like we have like 400-ish people still watching. Um, thank you for subscribing. Tell a friend. 
Pick your favorite video we've ever done, text it to a friend and tell them you have to subscribe to this channel because if you if they don't hit 100K, they might just disappear off the face of the internet. You never know. Yeah, right. and, and people people are asking me about where I find all my insider sales on Celsius. I just go straight to the origin, SEC, the, the docs, disclosures on the SEC website. I spent hours dissecting these forward contracts and I will share that data this week in our Discord. I will just list it all there for you, so you don't, you guys don't have to go do all that work. Um, it's fascinating, though. It's fascinating. So just so you guys know, someone has spent, or one or more people have spent, about seven hundred and fifty million dollars on these option agreements and forward contracts to acquire the ten to ten and a half to acquire the rights. To, to buy those 10 to 10 and a half million shares over the next two and a half years. So it's it's a big player, which gives me confidence. But again, some of those players might be then shorting the stock and selling those shares because they've gone up so much. Some of them might be in it for the long term. We don't know. But please give us a thumbs up, uh, subscribe, and share with your friends, like Dave was asking. And that's all. We will see you right back here for the next Dumb Money Live.